Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Star as we continue this series called Resilient down here in Compass, watching online, True North Chapel. But before we move any further today, I think we've all been taken watching the news. Uh, what's going on in the Ukraine right now is, is really unbelievable. I don't watch the news a lot. Um, I catch Scott Slade at, at 6 a.m. every morning driving in. That's about on WSB radio, and that's about all I keep up with. But this, this has captured me. What, what you may not know about the Ukraine is it's really the sending center for missionaries all over Europe. So they have lots of seminaries there, great churches based in the Ukraine, and they're sending people all over the, the European area to take the story of Jesus. But I don't know about you, but watching an 80-year-old lady stand up to a Russian soldier, watching a president of a country say, now I really don't need a ride, I need ammunition, because I'm staying to fight. Watching pastors in that area get their family to safety but then come back to be with their church. It's been riveting. And today we wanna pray for these people. We wanna pray for this area of our world that's literally under siege. And the cause of Christ, we wanna pray for what God can do and will do through them. I want you to listen to what this pastor said. He pastors the Urban Bible Church and serves at the seminary there. His name is Vasil. Listen to what he said. If the church is not relevant at a time of crisis, then it's not relevant in a time of peace. We think things get hard. We don't know hard compared to what these guys are walking through. He went on to say this, and it, and it ties so well with the book of Acts. We've decided to stay. Listen to what he said. Both as a family and as a church. And when this is over, the citizens of Kiev will remember how Christians have responded in their time of need. Sign me up. I don't know about you, but I don't want them to think they're standing alone. And there's a little C church in Ackworth, Kennesaw, Georgia, that's gonna lock arms with our brothers and sisters across the world. They're there for more than just the freedom of their country. They're there for the freedom of the story of Jesus to change people's lives. So would y'all join me in a word of prayer this morning? Compass, True North Chapel, online, and I'm not going to put words in your mouth to talk to the Lord about. I want you to do it. Pray for their peace. That the same God that could part the Red Sea could stop what's happening. Would you pray for that? Would you pray for their safety? They feel like we feel. They bleed like we bleed. They love like we love. 
to know their 17-year-old now holding a gun for the first time. Somebody's kid. Would you pray for them? Would you pray for the cause of Christ to be seen now more than ever? For how that church loves, for how that church leads. God, I don't even have words. I I just don't have words. But God, I've seen subway stations. I've seen streets filled with people on their needs giving you the words you need to hear. And I just echo them. Whatever they're saying, I echo them. God, I don't know how you do this, but somehow may they in their hearts know that we stand with them and we stand for them. And Father, we stand alongside them. as brothers and sisters in Christ and brothers and sisters in freedom. God, may we never forget the price of freedom. We're watching it right now. God, bless these people, protect these people, and hold these people. And it's in Jesus' mighty, strong, powerful name I pray. And everybody said, amen. Ann showed me yesterday the, uh, the 80-year-old lady got, so my uncle passed away this week, so I've had to go back and forth to Fayetteville a little bit, and it was my mom's brother, so I drove by my old house, boy, I was flooded with memories about my mom, but they showed the 80-year-old lady give a soldier a pack of sunflower seeds to put in his pocket so wherever he went down, they'd be able to find him when the sunflowers would grow up. That was my mother, all right? And so it was amazing. And, and you watch the resolve of these people. They are just in, right? Well, it was the same resolve that was going on in the book of Acts. So would you do me a favor? Take your Bible, turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 14. If you don't have a Bible today, the, all the stuff will be on the screen. The best way to keep up is on the app, North Star Church Georgia app. That will help you follow along. Did Cole not do a great job last week? Let's give Cole a hand. Wasn't that good? Golly, it was so good. We were, we were in Charlotte. I'll fill you in a little bit of that. But I was in Charlotte last week, and we were sitting in our hotel room. I was getting ready to go speak that afternoon, and we were watching. It was just so good because Paul and Barnabas are on this journey now. And they started in Antioch. Now they've gone out. And now today we pick them up. We find them about 80 miles from Antioch. And the gospel just keeps going with them. You remember, the church gathered, the church scattered, and now the church is extended. So there's all these people hearing about Jesus through tough times for the first time. All right, so I want you to write at the top of your outline, because this, I think, plays into today really well. God will never waste our time, and God will never waste our experiences. God's never gonna waste our time and God's never gonna waste our experiences and Paul and Barnabas's time and experiences may look like they're coming up short, but they're not. In fact, God is using them in big ways. So if you got Acts 14, I want you to stand with me in honor of reading God's word together. 
We live in, <laughs> so can we all agree that we live in a divided culture? We all agree on that. I mean, it's just, just name something and somebody will be opposite, right? So um, it's just the world that we live in. It's just a divided world. What was it they did that united in a divided world? Acts 14, verse one. The same thing happened in Iconium, the area that they found themselves in. Paul and Barnabas went to the Jewish synagogue, preached with such power that a great number of both Jews and Greeks became believers. So God's hand was on Paul and Barnabas and they're preaching and they're teaching and they're going and they're doing and, and God is using them. Some of the Jews, however, spurned God's message and they poisoned the minds of the Gentiles. So how many of you work in an office, a school, but you work around lots of other people? Raise your hand. How many of you have ever been in an organization where what was being said was what, wasn't what was being said outwardly, but there was a lot of talk going on around the office? Raise your hand. How many of you have never done that? All right, raise your hand. Oh, you lied, all right? So, but we see it, right? I was with a baseball coach up at Lake Point yesterday, and this conversation happened. He's dealing with that on his team. It's not an outward. It's like this murmuring, backbiting, just stuff, just chirping, right? It's what we call it, chirping, going on. And they poisoned the minds of the Gentiles. They poisoned the minds of the Gentiles because they didn't want them to know Jesus, they didn't want them to know the story. That's why they were doing all this tearing down and against Paul and Barnabas. So they wanted the Gentiles to not trust them, believe them, like them. But the apostles, they stayed there a long time. They, they, they hung in. Paul and Barnabas, very first time they're ever called apostles, all right? It's right here in this verse. Preaching, what's the next word? That did not sound very boldly. All right, and so preaching what? Boldly. So they aren't, I mean, listen, they ain't backing down, baby. I mean, they're, they're like, okay, you're not listening. You're doing all this. I'm still rolling. And the Lord proved their message was true by giving them the power to do miraculous signs and wonders. All right, let me, let me just say this. He gave them that in that moment because they needed little exclamation marks and fingerprints of God in the scenario of what was going on. They didn't have a New Testament to read. They didn't have all the things that we have. So he allowed Paul and Barnabas to do things that amazed the people and that would point back to the Lord. But, but the people of the town, they were, what's the next word? They were divided in their opinion about them. Some sided with the Jews, some sided with the apostles. So some people were for them, some people were against them. But then, verse 5, the murmuring turns into more. A mob of Gentiles and Jews, along with their leaders, decided to attack and stone them. Remember, Paul was at the last time stoning happened. You remember that? Paul was there at that last time that happened with the life of Stephen. And Paul, before he saw, before he came to know Christ, was there 
When the apostles learned of it, they fled to the region of Lyconia, to the towns of Lystra and Derby and the surrounding area. So they said, okay, it ain't murmuring, it ain't talking, it's time to roll, it's time to go. There was a great philosopher named Kenny Rogers that said, you gotta know when to hold them and you gotta know what? And you gotta know when to walk away and you gotta know when to... All right, so... Y'all did listen, all right? And so, age, age yourself a little bit. So they, they bolt, they, they hit the road in verse seven, but then there they preached the good news. Listen, they left, but they didn't stop. They left, but they didn't slow down. They said, okay, you're gonna run me out of town. I'm just gonna take the gospel somewhere else. And we watch the story of Jesus in a divided world expand, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So before you're seated, I want you to find two people around you and say, we're one Sunday closer to spring. All right, do that real quick. Do that real quick. We can be seated. Bad news. Bad news. I don't know if there's going to be Major League Baseball. Good news. We're still the world champs. All right, so that's the good, good news of the day. So what do we, that has nothing to do with anything. So what are the things we need to know about leading in a divided culture? What do we do when the majority of people don't believe like we do, think like we do? The chances are the majority of us in this room, we spend more time around people who don't know the Lord than around people that do know the Lord. If that's true of you, if you say, I work in a place, and, and it doesn't make it a bad place, but I work in a place where there's a lot of people that don't know the Lord. Would you raise your hand? Okay, good, a good number of you guys. I don't raise my hand. So I work here at North Star. Aren't you glad they all know the Lord? All right, and so I work, I work here. So, but you spend the majority of your time around people who don't know the Lord and that don't, they don't want to know what you know. So how do we make a difference in worlds like that? It would be so much easier if everybody, if they didn't believe, was interested or lined up with us or thought like us. So what do we do? We got four things, really easy. Number one, we jump in. We get to know the people around you. Jump in. Get to know the people around you. It's interesting it's sort of a throwaway verse there in verse three, but it says, but the apostles stayed there a what time? What's it say? A long time. They were murmuring. They were backbiting. They were causing derision. Paul and Barnabas stuck it out. I want you to write down a little phrase, right? And we're gonna develop this a little bit. Power of Relationships. When you spend time with people, you earn equity with people, whether they believe like you or not. I'm not talking about showing up when times are good. I'm not talking about showing up when times are easy. But when you spend time with people, there is a power in relationships. So this past weekend, I was in Charlotte, North Carolina, <clears throat> with a guy that, that 
a buddy of mine in here, Dave and I went to Liberty with named Greg Simmons. Greg coaches and Charlie moved there in 1990 or whatever it was. But he and I was one of the very first guys I met in 1987 at Liberty. And so here we are in 2022, sitting in his office on Monday morning and just talking about life. Greg may be watching right now. Why can we say things to each other? What's the power of relationships? It's been a long time we've been friends. See, we live in a world that normally walks away when somebody does not agree with us, don't we? It's like we live in a world where it's not okay to disagree anymore. These guys stayed a long time. All right, let's, let's talk about this real quick. I want this church, my prayer for this church is that we are people, and I want you to write this down because this, this is big, because I think it was big about them, <clears throat> that we're not divisive people. Does that make sense to everybody? Listen, I'm, I'm okay to be divisive about whether you believe in Jesus or not, but I don't want to lose relationships on everything else that doesn't matter. Oh, so you're a Georgia fan. I can't speak to you because you won the national championship. You're going to hold it over my head for the next 15 years. I do feel that way, but I don't act that way, right? And so, but you just see what I'm saying. Let's, let's, don't be divisive people. Paul and Barnabas stuck. They didn't talk about politics. They didn't talk. They, they stuck to what mattered. They just stuck to the story of Jesus. And they loved the people of the area. So I guess it was Tuesday or Wednesday. I don't, my, day, my weeks run together. But I got the call that my uncle, and he was our, he was our uncle. He was the one. He was, for, for me growing up, he was the funny one, the, the one with lots of stories. And, and, you know, I've got to do his service tomorrow afternoon. And he was, that, he was that uncle when I was nine. He took me to, they did world, uh, worldwide wrestling at the time. Wrestling, all right, here in the South. Gordon Soley, if you grew up here in Atlanta. And so they went high school to high school with all the, the wrestlers. And I was, I loved it. You know, because there was a group of people back then that believed that the moonshot was a fake, but wrestling was real, all right? And so they, they, they existed, and so I was one of them. And so I'm at Fett County High School, and all the, I mean, all of them that were the guys back then, Mr. Wrestler number two, all the dudes, they were all there. And some of you were like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but just join the story. And so I'm, I'm all into nine years old, and my, this is the uncle that took me. All right, this is the uncle that took me. And I remember I had to go to the bathroom. So I ran to the bathroom and came back. And he had gotten every wrestler's signature on my program. He had every one of them sign it. That's what I believed until I was like 24. And I noticed that all the signatures look like Uncle Jimmy's. All right, and so I confronted him, but he was, he was that uncle. So anyways, it's a funny story. I'll tell that tomorrow. So I was down there with my aunt. And she said, she asked me to do, help do the funeral. I'm going to do it with another guy. And she said, oh, I, I wish Mr. Overton was here. Preacher Overton's what they called him. And I said, oh, he, he was a preacher there in town when I was growing up. I said, why'd you love Preacher Overton so much? This is what she said. When he moved to Fayetteville, he came to visit us. And I was out. We had just moved to the community. And I was out working in the yard and she said, I said, I'm so sorry that I didn't know you were coming. And, and he, she said, I remember him taking his jacket off 
and rolling his sleeves up, and he laid sod with me outside in the yard. Then he said, is Jim here? She said, he's up in the attic working on the antenna. And she said, I remember Preacher Overton going over and going up the ladder, and he was up there with Jim for about an hour. It's the power of relationships. I want you to write this down. We'll move on to number two. People never forget you care. They just won't. I think those people in that town, even though all that stuff was going on, they may not have believed everything Paul and Barnabas said, but they believed Paul and Barnabas because they stayed there a long time and they cared. So this is year, I moved to this community in June of 1991. My prayer is, is that whether somebody agrees with me, disagrees with me, they will know that I care. Number two, speak up, speak up. Talk about the difference that Jesus has made in your life. Speak up. Okay, can we agree on something? The story of Jesus is the greatest story ever told. Can we agree on that? If you agree on that, say amen. amen. I was gonna say, if you disagree with it, but nobody would ever wanna say that. It's the greatest story ever told. Why would we not speak up? Listen, if I get on any kick, I always try to get people on the kick with me. It's just how, that's how I'm wired, right? So if I start liking a certain, like uh, a restaurant, I'll talk about it all the time, or a, like I got into this whole thing of putting there called Zip Fizz. You put it in your drink and it gives you a little caffeine kick. I was trying to cut off Diet Coke. Now I'm drinking Diet Coke and Zip Fizz. But anyway, so that's a whole other deal. So I was all on this, all this is just how it works. And so I was all on this kick for it. That's just how I am. If Jesus' story is really as great as we say it is, why would we not talk about it? Why would I be okay with somebody not knowing who Jesus is? Look at what it says. 14.3, preaching boldly about the what of God. What did Paul know about grace? He knew a lot. Let me tell you about this guy who wrote the majority of your New Testament. He was a murderer. He was a persecutor. He was a bad person before Jesus. I can imagine right now sitting down with Paul's resume going, I think he'd be great at our church. All right, we put him in student ministry and the kids love him. All right, and so well, it wouldn't work. You know what Paul talked about? The grace of God. How many of you have things in your story you're not proud of? Just nod your head. I want you to write this little thought down, ready? Nobody can ever argue with my story. They can argue about other stuff. They can't argue about my story. Speak up. Isn't it funny how we'll speak up about so many things, but when it comes to our faith, we get quiet? Well, I don't want to offend somebody. Listen, my, I, I'm just going to tell you what Jesus did for me. You can do with it what you want to. 
right? Preaching boldly. When Jesus enters your everyday conversations, I will tell you this, you will live differently. I want you to write that little thought down. When Jesus enters your everyday conversations, you live different. Why? Because you're accountable for more. You've aligned yourself to something. Number three, live it out. Live it out. Give proof through your life and love that Jesus is real. Give proof through your life and your love that Jesus is real. Live it out. I want you to write down two thoughts. Ready? Words and actions. Words and actions. I've said this a thousand times. A thousand, if not more than a thousand. Last night we had dinner with our kids and their fiance and their spouse last night. So we met for dinner at a great, great little restaurant there in Kennesaw. And Mary, Michael, and Jen drove over. Casey and Kelsey came down and met us. And man, we're just sitting around the table enjoying it. It's a, it was my birthday dinner. The bill arrived. Everybody just looks at it. Like, we brought you some shoes, Dad, all right? And so we're not going to pick up the dinner tab. So anyways, so we're sitting there that night, and, and, and Casey's 27, Mary Michael's 24, about to turn 28 and 25. My number one fear for them, number one, number one, number one above all others growing up is they would grow up and go, Dad wasn't who he preached about at home. Because I'm going to tell you something. You could be the greatest orator in the world, which I am way far from. And your kids grow up and go, ain't the same guy. All of us, the power of our lives exists when our words and our actions line up. And people go, agree or disagree, that's who they are. They're the real deal. I think these people knew Paul and Barnabas were the real deal. And the Lord proved their message was true by giving them power to do miraculous signs and wonders. And, and they looked at their lives and were like, okay. So here's a question I wrote. This was in my notes. Does my life on a daily basis, not on Sundays. We're always at our best on Sundays. And by the way, that you guys got out on this nasty morning, give yourselves a round of applause. I am very proud of you. I had mentally prepared for a bad crowd this morning. I, I had mentally gotten myself like, it's not you, it's not your outfit, it's not your speaking. Cole was really good last week, Mike's back. All right, and so all those things that go through your head, right? In our lives, this is what I wrote in my outline. Does my life have Jesus' fruit in it? That's what I wrote in my notes. Daily. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Does my life look like? Because those are the fruits of Christ in our life. 
Paul and Barnabas lived it out. And number four, here's the challenge. Keep it up. Don't let opposition discourage you. I want you to write this little thought down. Expect it. Expect it. Expect it. Opposition's gonna happen. Opposition's gonna come. So my buddy and I were sitting in his office last week just catching up on 30 years of friendship and life and we were talking about some seasons that he walked through and some seasons that I walked through. And, and when you go through, okay, let's just be honest. So let's take off our, our church facade here real quick. How many of you, when bad things happen and when tough times come, you have a tendency to wallow in pity? We call it a pity party. How many of y'all can lean towards a pity party at times? Man, why me? Why is this going on? What? And, and my buddy and I were, were talking about it. And I said, you know, you finally get to the point and go, if it happened to Jesus who was perfect, why would it not happen to us? Keep it up. Let me tell you something. This story could have stopped in Iconium. When Paul and Barnabas went, okay, Jesus, listen, I don't know what kind of plan you're working on, but this stinks, right? We're doing what you want us to do, and we just keep getting buffeted. And here's the hard part. Here's what they didn't know yet. They didn't know this was as easy as it was ever going to get. It was going to get harder. It was going to get tougher. The clamps are going to push down on them a little bit more. But you know what they did? They took the story, and they kept going discouragement will visit your life. The question isn't, will it visit? The question is, when it visits, what do you do with it? That's the question. Easiest thing to do is quit. Easiest. All right, I'm out. Life's hard enough, man. I don't need to add my faith into it. I'm just going to go in the background. But if the story of Jesus is really real, and there's really a heaven and there's really a hell. And God's dependent on me. I gotta keep going. That's what Paul and Barnabas did. They kept going. It's unbelievable. You read the story, it's like, man, I'd have been out, I'd have been out the first little murmuring. I remember we had just started North Star, and I was the two. So I worked for Ike, and we had some, we had some murmuring going on. And I remember going to Ike, and Ike had been pastoring for a long time, and I said, they are upset about blah, whatever it was. I don't remember what it was. I remember where I was and I had the conversation, but I don't remember what it was. They are upset. And Ike asked me this question, is they five or is they 500? And I said, I think five. He said, we'll be okay. If it's 500, get your resume ready, all right? And so... <laughs> is it worth it? Yep. Do you know that there's somebody that lives in this community that will never see Mike Lynch's Jesus or Ann Lynch's Jesus, Jesus or Seth Hardy's Jesus? They're just going to see yours. They're depending on you. And they're probably not going to see you at church. They're going to see you in the office when things are at their toughest. What, what, did, the, what did the pastor say? We have decided to stay both as a family and as a church. When this is over, 
The citizens of Kiev will remember how Christians have responded in their time of need. Basically saying what Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Can I tell you something? And I hate saying this. I think the church probably needs a little opposition. It's gotten pretty easy to be a Christian. God wants to use you if you'll let him. Would you pray with me? Father, I think about the great missionary Jim Elliott when he said he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose God my prayer of this morning has been stirring that's been the word God I pray that our resilient faith will come for not being happy, being happy. Which is all part of it. But God, we want more. God, maybe you wandered in this place today and you said, Mike, I don't know Jesus. You keep talking about the grace of God. I didn't know there was grace. But man, I want whatever Paul and Barnabas had. I want whatever this pastor and the Ukraine has, they have Jesus. Can I lead you in a prayer to meet him? It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I need you. I believe you lived for me. And I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again just for me. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and be my personal Lord and Savior today. If you prayed that prayer, welcome home. I'll tell you in a second what to do. Maybe you're in here today and you said, Mike, I know. My faith's just what I do, man. It's never been more. But I want my life to count. I want my life to matter. God is stirring in my spirit that there's more. Would you tell him? Tell me, tell him. Say, God, use me. God, I'm praying for an awakening of you. God, I'm praying for a season where we watch you do things we didn't know you still did. God, we can't wait to be a part when you do. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Would y'all join me today and congratulate all of those that accepted Jesus today and welcome them home to the Lord. Isn't that good? So, if you're online, Kathy, your host, you can put a note on there. It said, I asked Christ in my heart. Just leave her a note and said, I asked Jesus in my heart. If you were in the rooms, I want you to look in the seat back in front of you. There's a card. An old, you remember the old physical cards and a pen too, things we write with, all right? And so write your name. If you put your name in your email or name in your cell, either one, and just check the box that I asked Jesus. And all you got to do when we leave today is leave it in your seat. 
Our hospitality team will come by when it's over, grab those out of the seats, and uh, man, we, we want to let you know. Or you can go online to northstarchurch.org slash next. Next week, we're going to put a bow on this first part of Paul's journey, and I think it's going to be really good. Are you glad you came today? We are so glad you came today. Go ahead and stand up if you would. Turn around and thank somebody around you for being here, and I'll see you at North Star next Sunday.